Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Well, it is an honor to preach before you this afternoon. Um, came on a trip all the way from Miami, praise God, to preach to y'all. And Miami was great, but I love y'all. You know what I'm saying? It's not the same, seeing y'all's faces. And I really, I've really been encouraged because I've spoken to many of you and you've acknowledged like spiritual breakthrough and spiritual battle is something that you've thought about, but you wanted to dig deeper into. And, and tonight, um, we are going to continue in our series on spiritual warfare. And it is of the utmost importance that we talk about this because we are in a battle. Aren't you in a battle every day just to get the things you want done? You're, you're in a battle with your body to get your body to do things you want it to do. You're in a battle with New York to pay rent. You're in a battle all the time. All the spiritual battle is acknowledging that there is a spiritual dynamic behind all the battles that we face. Now, the fact of the matter is, in light of that, we know that we are warriors. I wonder if you'd say that with me. Say, I am a warrior. Oh, that was good. That was good. And say, you are a warrior. Now look at your neighbor and say, you are a warrior. And say, we are warriors. Now, spiritually, spiritually, I just want to kind of even the playing field with you. Spiritually, I realize that some of you have been in very tough battles. I've spoken to some of you and you've talked about some dreams that you've been having that have been keeping you up and You've talked about different strongholds that you've been facing, things that you're trying to shake and that have been very difficult. And I want to acknowledge you tonight that part of what we need to just discuss briefly is just what a theology of breakthrough or what breakthrough is about. Because if you are going to move on with God, if you're going to grow in God, there are going to be areas in your life that you are going to have to move beyond and you're wanting God to move you beyond it. A breakthrough is essentially a military term. It would happen when you would have one camp fighting another camp and as they became close to their wall, as they got next to their wall, they were looking for a strategic location to get beyond their wall and to get into their territory. And as they began to go into that enemy's territory, the fierceness of the fight increased because they wanted to see breakthrough. They wanted to get into a new area. And the fact of the matter is, when people get baptized, that's when their temptations arise the most. When you decide, I'm, you know what, I'm going to start reading my Bible every day, that's when you get distracted the most. When you say, man, I want to, you know, I'm, I'm not going to watch those things that I feel like are distracting me if it's porn or other things. It's like, man, I'm going to stop that. That's when you get hungry the most for it. It's because the enemy realizes that where you are weak, where you are wanting to grow, that's when the fight gets the fiercest. And so you would believe that because the fight is fierce, it's time to stop. But the indication, the fierceness of the fight indicates that you need to keep moving forward. And tonight, that is my prayer for you, that you would keep moving forward. No matter how intense the fight of your walk with God is, God has equipped you with everything you need to be victorious in your walk with God. Amen? 
in whatever battle you're facing, God has equipped you. The Bible says in 2 Peter 1 and 3, his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness through the knowledge of him. God has given us everything we need spiritually. And that's what the battle armor essentially is. The Bible isn't saying go out and get the breastplate of righteousness or get the shield of faith. The Bible says you have it, but you must start operating with it as you begin to go in some of the most intense battles in your walk with God. When I played baseball, of which I was not good at at all, praise God, we can't be good at everything. I was not good at that at all. And I realized, though, is that my mom brought us out, and we got a glove, and we got a bat. And you only use the glove when you were out there playing defense. You only use the bat when you're out there using offense. We had all the equipment we had, but I was very bad at catching. I was very bad at hitting. So even though I had the equipment, that doesn't mean I was skillful. And so what the idea here is you have all the equipment you need, but you've got to grow in your skills in the battle. You've got to just commit your life to praying, to reading, to walking with God. And as you do that, as you keep fighting, your skills grow better. We should not be the same people we were last year or the year before that. Why? Because my skills have gotten better. Because I've been walking with, I've been praying with, and I've been fighting. Even though the, the fierceness of the battle would make me want to stop. I am going to keep fighting because God has given me everything I need for victory. Amen? And so that's our encouragement tonight. You've got everything you need. Everything you need. And that's what this equipment indicates, that no matter how fierce it gets, you can keep moving forward. The image that we're going to, one of the first images that we're going to look at, we're going to look at uh, the gospel of peace or the feet shotted with the gospel of peace. And then we are going to look at uh, the shield of faith. But it says in Ephesians chapter 6, verse 16, your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. Now you see that there. The word that I want to hang out on is readiness, okay? And the images that it gives us is our feet sandaled. Now when you first think about sandals, you don't think about a military war. You think about something you wear like on vacation or when you're in the sun. But the sandals that they're talking about actually would have these hobnails at the bottom of them. They were essentially like cleats. And those cleats would allow you to anchor yourself in the ground as you move. Now, that was of the utmost importance because when you were in a battle, if you slipped and you fell, you would die. It wasn't as if, you know, when we were growing up, when you were playing a game, you just call timeout, like, chill, stop, don't hit me with the ball, you know? They didn't say timeout. When you fell, you died. So it was the utmost importance that you were able to keep strong footing. But the second thing that was of the utmost importance was that you were able to be agile. And so the agility Um, The ability to move, that's essentially how Alexander the Great won so many of his battles because he was able to move his army to so many different locations. And so many of the armies of that time began to mimic those kind of sandals, those kind of shoes, because they saw people were moving quicker and they had more agility. If you you look there, the subject of Ephesians 6.16, if you go back to that, the subject is readiness, He says that we will have readiness from the gospel of peace. So what does readiness mean? If you were reading King James, it would say the preparation that the gospel of peace 
produces. Well, the Greek word there is hey, toy, my, sia. Hey, toy, my, sia. Now, the reason why that word is important because the way that they used it really wasn't preparation or it really wasn't, um, really wasn't readiness in the way that they were thinking about it. If they saw a dancer that was able to move fluidly, they would say that that dancer has hey, toy, my, sia. If there was an athlete that was able to move with skill and quickness, they would say that that athlete had hey, toy, mycia. Essentially, what they were saying is, is that that person can move with agility and skill. They're quick. They can get in and out of things. They can move. And here, it is bringing out this idea of hey, toy, mycia spiritually. One of you guys have been watching... Uh, the conference finals in basketball. Anybody been watching that? Amen. Amen. Oh, good. Good. All two of you. Amen. Good. Well, um, the conference finals, um, there's a player named Steph Curry. And Steph, one of the things about Steph is, man, you can, you can trap him and he can move so quick and he's able to just, you know, do that crossover and he takes a step back and he shoots a three. Now, if he was in the Roman area, they'd say he had hey, masia. In other words, they would say he has agility. He can move. He can go quick. Even though they, he gets trapped, he can get out of it. And here's what the Bible is essentially saying. The gospel of peace, we'll talk about that in a second, but the gospel of peace is intended to create in us spiritual agility. Spiritual agility. What is spiritual agility then? What is this readiness? What is this preparation? The readiness and preparation he speaks of is that you will not get easily surprised and that you're ready for change, you're ready for action. In other words, listen, you can adjust to any condition you're put in. You are spiritually agile. You can move on. You can adjust. You can adjust to any trap the enemy puts in your way. You can adjust. You can. And you can have peace in the midst of any storm because you have spiritual agility. Anybody, when you take a flight, are you early flight people? Like you, you want to get there super early and just sit and chill? I'm one of those people I have to be there very, 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 very early. Like if my flight's at 4, I'm trying to get there at like 12 a.m. Like I'm trying to get there as early as possible, right? And so I, I'm, I'm thinking to myself, man, yesterday, uh, two days ago when I was getting ready for my flight, I get there, I'm like, I'm going to leave at 1. Traffic on traffic on traffic on traffic. I don't get there till about 3.30. And then when I get there, you know, and I'm just like, and I'm preparing this message. And I'm just like, you know what? There's people in line. I'm going to miss my flight. And I, and I was like, you know what, Lord? I'm just going to trust you. Because if you want me there, I'm going to be there. And the whole time, I'm like, hey, toy Masia. You're going to give me some hey, toy Masia. <laughs> Lord, give me that hey, toy. Pour, pour some hey, toy Masia on this whole situation. Right? And, and then all of a sudden, so I get there. It's, it's 4 o'clock. The flight, uh, you know, I, I have on my app. It says that uh, it's about to, it's, it's already boarded. So there I'm at four, uh, it's four, and, and then it says um, my, my uh, gate was B11. But somehow I got confused, and I went down the wrong direction. So now I'm at B40. So now I'm just like, I'm going to miss my flight. I'm going to miss my flight. And I, I go, I get directions from this guy. The guy was, so if, you don't, if you're not good at giving directions, don't give directions. Amen? <laughs> so he gives me directions. It was horrible. And I'm just like, now I'm lost. So I'm like, I'm, so at this point, I'm 
frustrated. And I'm just like, and I, I remember I stopped. I was like, God, you are in control. And I'm going to preach on something I'm not even applying to my life. So I, I pray right now, God, make me flexible. Don't get me caught up in this moment. And I was the last person on the plane. Amen. I walked right up to that plane. And, you know, I walked and I had to, like, sit next to people and I'm all big. And they were frustrated. And that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but, but the reality is, is that sometimes you, your emotions get caught up before the thing even happens. Your anxiety takes you out. Like, situations aren't the problem. Your emotions are the problem. And emotionally, you, and, and this is the thing. This is the thing. God has wanted to move you on in certain situations in your life. And you're, like, still emotionally stuck from, like, two years ago. Off situations that you ruminate on. Think about. And God wants to move you on, not because, not because you should just move on. God is on the move. God is doing great things, and he wants to move you on. So we must become more emotionally agile. Here's what I'm trying to tell you. You can adjust. You can adjust. Any situation you put in, you can adjust. It might take you time. It might hurt. And the way that we do that is we do that by expressing our love for God and worshiping God in the midst of the storm. The Bible says, in Psalm 34 and 17, the righteous cry out and the Lord hears, rescues them from all their troubles. Psalm 88 and 9, my eyes are worn out from crying. Lord, I cry to you all the day long. I spread out my hands to you. you. You begin to worship and you begin to say, God, I trust you. I love you. And as you do that, you process your emotions with your God. And then you learn to process your emotions with people. And over time, you work through the process and you are able to move on into another season because God has given you spiritual agility. You are quick. You are able. You can adjust. You don't have to be stuck. And God has given you that already through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, this is, this is one of these things that, again, it's a skill we have to pick up over time. But God has given you all the power you need for it. Now, he goes on to say, your feet are sandaled with the readiness of the gospel of peace. So what gives us the spiritual agility is the gospel of peace. And the obvious thing is that we want peace, that we want to be peaceful in any situation, that Jesus was asleep in a boat in the midst of the storm, and we think to ourselves, God, I want that. Don't you know some people that they're just calm? They're just like, yo, you're so chill. Like, how are you making it? And they're just like, Jesus. They give that finger point up in the air like, Jesus? And you're like, I want that. Don't you want that? You want more peace. And the fact of the matter is many of us come into here tonight and we're like, man, I want more peace in my life. I want a, I want a more serene way that I adjust to the world. But what we have to understand is there's a reason why it says the gospel of peace, and it just doesn't say peace. The reason why it says the gospel of peace, because the peace it's talking about is not just the peace that you get only from your emotions. Yes, you get that. Yes, you become agile. Yes. But the first peace it's talking about is the peace that we first must have with God. Because the Bible says we first must have, be at peace with God. We must be reconciled to God. So essentially, we, you, you must need peace with God before you get access with the peace from God. 
It is so tough to be able to get the heart of man to understand who God is. The Bible says in Romans chapter 8, verse 7, that the mindset on the flesh, it says the mindset of the flesh is hostile to God because it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it's not able to do so. So what the text tells us is in your natural flesh and in your natural self, you do not want to obey God. You want to do what you want to do. And so what we tend to do in our culture is we don't just disobey God. We actually describe a different God. Like we don't talk about the God of the scriptures. We talk about the God of our imagination. The God, you know, if I were God, I would do this. We kind of just reveal God as we would like him to be. And so many of our friends are like, you know, God, you know, God is kind of like, I mean, the God, I mean, God for me you know, God for me, he's kind of like, boom. Like, he, he comes to me like, I'm talking about the God I have. That's your God. I mean, I'm talking about God for me. And I was like, what if we did that for people? Like, you know, James, I mean, my James, my James is 6'5", you know, <laughs> even though I'm 6'2"-ish, amen. But my James is 6'5". My James is light-skinned. You know, he's like light, light-skinned. He's like, like almost like bright, bright-skinned. Like, and I'm not. I'm barkish. Like, I, I'm, I'm brown. I'm 6'1", like I am an actual person that you are seeing and I'm revealed, like I'm an actual person and if you describe me wrong, you have the wrong person. And I'm saying that we just don't disobey God, we describe the wrong God. And because we describe the wrong God, we are not worshiping the triune, holy God that has revealed himself. But the reason why we describe the wrong God is because we create a new God, a God that serves us, not a God that we serve. God is holy. God is just, and God will by no means clear the guilty. And what that tells us is we must have our sins dealt with by God to have peace with God vertically. And then we experience the peace of God throughout life. Yes, I want calm through the storm, but the first calm you must have is calming your relationship with God. And that is the imagery. That's why he says the gospel of peace. And tonight... My prayer for you is as you apply the gospel of peace, as you trust God for more peace, it would produce in you a deep level of spiritual agility. You'd be the kind of person that can move on, that you wouldn't get stuck. Many of us, my, my heart for you is that many of us feel this weight of the past we feel this weight of our parents. We feel the weight of past hurts. And we've had a hard time moving on. And I'm telling you tonight, God wants you to move on. And I'm encouraging you tonight that you can adjust. And he's giving you all the peace you need. Amen? He goes on in Ephesians 6. And he says, in every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows, all the flaming arrows of the evil one. We have a picture of the shield that they would actually use. This shield was a little over five feet tall. And so the shield would occupy most of their body. But the shield, interestingly enough, would only be used at a certain time. As these soldiers would begin to get close to the enemy's territory, they would come upon their wall. They're wanting to take the city. And as they're trying to take the city, 
they would, that meaning the other camp, they'd be flaming their arrows down from the top of that wall. And as they shoot their arrows down from the top of the wall, it was an indication they were getting close. They were getting right to the place where they were going to have breakthrough. They were going to get to, those, to, that, to that area that they longed to be. And it was in that moment that they would have to put up their shield of faith. This shield, this indication, it would take away the arrows. And you wonder why... <laughs> why the enemy, enemy here and the soldiers they would fight, why they would use flaming arrows. It was only for one reason. It wasn't like because they wanted to burn them up. They could just burn them up if they wanted to. But the reason why they had an arrow and they would burn them was simply for this, to shock people. It was just to, for shock and awe. You see, when you were next to your other comrade and he was getting burnt alive, you would sit there and you would scream and you would think to yourself, I would never survive that. So what would happen is when the hour would go into somebody and they would burn up, many would retreat because they're seeing their friend go down in flames. And if we're honest, in your walk with God, you've seen people, you've seen family members, you've seen them go down in flames spiritually. Some of you, you're tonight, you're, you're spiritually dependent on how seeing others are thriving in the faith. And if they were to fall, your walk with God, you would most likely retreat. I pray that that wouldn't be the case for you. I, I, I trust that my walk with God is tight and right and I'm loving God. But if I were to fail spiritually, my prayer is that you would not retreat, but that you would continue on because you were never following me. You were following Jesus. You see, it's scary when you see your friends go down in flames, when you see leaders go down in flames. There's a lot of people, they don't go to church anymore because they saw somebody go down in flames. They're just, they're, along with that person, their faith was destroyed. But the reason why their faith was destroyed with that person, because their faith was in that person, not in Jesus. And so the essence of why they would do it is to scare you. And, and you know, the, you, 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 sometimes we get into a community and like, man, if this happens, I'm going to bounce. Satan's going to be like, I'm going to make sure that happens. Because I, I, want, I, want, I want to make sure that you see someone. I want to make sure there's a situation. That, that I want you to be in shock and awe so that you would retreat. And that is why they would do that. The other thing about the shield, which was so interesting, is if you were up on that tower and you saw them putting up their shield, you would just, as, just as a, a competitor, you would begin to try to make angles to make sure that you could get after, get beyond that shield. So oftentimes, as the enemy would be up there, they're trying to get this angle, what the soldiers would often do is they would begin to back up against one another, and they would hold their shields up, and they would have a shield that would be able to be placed not just on them, but on the other person too. The essence of the shield wasn't just for them, but it was also for someone else. And the imagery that it gives us is that this shield that we have been given in our faith is not only for us, but it is also for other people. But it also tells us that we not only need our faith, but we need the faith of other people to cover us. We need people to be praying for us, trusting God. I mean, the, one of the most beautiful things is when someone is trusting God for you and with you in the midst of your greatest weakness. And so what is the problem? The problem is we're fighting the battle by ourselves. 
because we can't trust nobody. But do you understand God has designed you and he's designed your faith for someone else and he's designed someone's up faith for you? In other words, we are meant to be interdependent on one another, interlocking our faith together, backing up, making sure the enemy, you, you have their back and they have your back. Isolation is what's going to destroy you. The Bible says that Satan prowls around us seeking whom he can devour. Who, who would he want to devour? The person who's isolated, alone? I, you know, I just need to go to myself. I need, thank you. That, yeah, just me and the Lord. Just thank you. Uh, no, not right now. Huh? Church? Nope, can't do it. Got to go. I need me time, me time, and me time. Amen. That's all I can do. And I'm telling you, me time will destroy you. It will destroy you. But this is what I'm trying to tell you. I'm, I, I need to come down here. These lights, these lights are about to burn my eyeballs out. Listen, <laughs> me time is going to destroy you. And the reason why it is going to destroy you is because your walk wasn't only meant for you. When, it, when, when we talk about the faith, we have to think more corporate. We got to think about other people. God has designed you to trust God for other people as well. So what does the enemy do? He causes tension in relationships and then you back away. And now you don't talk to nobody. Now you can't trust nobody. Now you can't love. I'm not saying love. I'm not saying have 50,000 people in your, in your, on your phone constantly texting. I'm saying right now there is someone in this room that God has embedded a faith in you that you could be embedding to them, extending to them. The person who probably gives me the most boost in my faith is my wife. I mean, my wife, whew, man. There's just been so many moments. I, when I was, when I, after I pastored my first church, I was done. My wife was like, what do you want to do? I was like, anything that doesn't involve Christians because they are wild. That was, that, that was the actual sentence. I was like, I don't want to, I'm not saying I don't want to pastor church. I don't want to do Christian work. I just don't want to do any of that. I'm just tired of Christians and the Christian Christian thing. Just, I just want to love Jesus personally, and I just don't want to do that. And my wife, I'll never forget. My wife was like, well, we'll just we'll see what God says. But if God's called you to this, baby, it's going to be, it's going to be tough. I was like, shut up. Stop. Give me a minute. <laughs> And when, when we were about to move to New York, I was like, yo, we ain't got no money, and I don't know how we're going to do it, baby. And she was like, let's trust God. And I'm, I'm saying that she was more than an amen corner. I was riding her faith. I was trusting her faith. And I'm telling you right now, the next stage in your walk with God is not just going to come from your personal devotion. You've got to have corporate worship. You've got to have other people surrounding you, protecting you in your faith. Because your faith is not only meant for you, it is meant for someone else. And you are meant to receive the faith of someone else. Amen? And so, so with that, when you, when you are walking by faith, when you are trusting God, it matters what direction you're going. I would love, I mean, who doesn't want to see miracles all the time? Who, who wouldn't want to see that? Because on one side where there is 
faith happening and we are pressing in for breakthrough and we have the shield of faith. On one side, yes, there's this intensity of battle, but on the other side, there is the miraculous. There is seeing God do incredible things, watching God show up in your life in ways you couldn't imagine. But God does miracles to bring him glory, not just to bless you, but that it would also reflect him. I mean, think about when Jesus did miracles. Jesus is turning water into wine. Jesus is walking on water. Was he doing that to just just show off? Jesus was not just showing off his glory or his power. He was revealing his power so that people would have an understanding of the revealed God. They would know God. You'd be bringing glory to God. It matters why you want to see breakthroughs. It matters why you want to see transformation and change. It matters why. And if you ultimately want to see Jesus glorified, that's the essence of it. By faith, you move forward in your walk with God. And we trust God for the incredible things he has for us. I pray that God see miracles in your life. I I want to see more miracles in my life. But I believe miracles happen because of the mission I'm on. Not just because I want to see miracles. Selling... um, the first service. Some of you don't know, we used to be uh, over there at LIU Brooklyn. I used to be the campus pastor. I remember one time I went over there. We didn't have an office. We didn't have anything. But I went over to LIU Brooklyn, and I heard that they had no campus ministry over there. So I prayed, me and a buddy of mine, Brian, we laid our hands on the school. And we just said, Lord, we pray that you would open up a door for a church to be able to just bless this campus or some kind of Christian ministry, something. So I ended up calling, doing some emails. And after that, after I emailed, I got an email back, set up a meeting with this one woman. And once I set the meeting up, I I mean, and I don't know why she took the meeting, amen, but we took the meeting. And then in the meeting, she was like, yeah, we really don't need you. I was like, thank you, thank you. Very encouraging. She said, yeah, like if we had a campus pastor, we would need like a, cam- uh, a campus iman and we would, need, uh, we would need somebody for every faith. So we're good. And I just remember thinking like, wow, God, why did you make a fool of me just now? So I just, I, I went and I left. And then I got an email from someone else. It was her boss, her dean. And then her dean hit me up and said, hey, would you mind getting a meeting with me? And I said, sure, I'll get a meeting with you. And I'm like, Lord, are you, are, is, are you punishing? Did I do something? Because I don't want to go all the way to LIU Brooklyn and hear that they don't need me again. So I walk into this meeting, guy gives me a hug. I'm like, it's going well already, praise God. He gives me this big hug. And he's like, sit down, and he's telling me all this stuff. And then he says, you know, this is crazy, but I just, I'm going through so much. And I'm like counseling him. He's like, I'm going through so much. I got so much on my plate. I'm new to this position. And I'm like, wow, man, it sounds like a lot. And he's like, you know, it, you know, and, and then he says, you know, let me show you my org chart. So he, he turns his computer around and I see his org chart. And it has all these different parts of the organization there, finances, administration. And then it says campus ministry. And on the org chart of campus ministry, it says um, Father, uh, I think it was Father Charlie, Father Charlie. And then underneath Father Charlie, it said Rabbi Josh. 
And then underneath Rabbi Josh, it said Pastor James. And I sat there, and so he's talking to me, and I'm, I'm not even listening. I'm just like, yo. <laughs> I'm like, I thought they didn't have a pastor. And I was like, is my name James? My name is James, yes. <laughs> okay, so all right, all right, all right. So he keeps talking, I'm just like, um, just, and I, man, it sounds like you're going through a lot. What, um, what, um, who, who is Pastor James? And he turns the, the computer back to himself and he goes, I don't know how that got there. And I said, what do you mean? He's like, I didn't put that there. And I said, oh, and then he calls his secretary in and he, and he, and he says, hey, Monica, who put Pastor James there? She says, I don't know. I thought you put it there. She said, and then now they're having an argument about who put it there. So I just lift up my hand. I was like, hey, I, my name is James, and I'm actually a pastor. In fact, people call me Pastor James, so I will be the pastor of this thing if you want it. And they were like, sure. I mean, would you be okay if we gave you an office in the freshman dorm? I was like, yes, I'd be cool with that. Now, that was dramatic because they're freshmen and it's dorm. Hallelujah, that's a whole nother sermon. But, but so, so then we get the dorm and then they were like, and if you're okay with it, like, I don't know, can we give you like a $5,000 budget? Is that okay? I'm like, yes, that is okay. And, and I remember, I remember I called my mom and I was like, I don't know how it happened. She was like, it was Jesus, baby. God did it. And, and what, I'm, what I'm telling you is, this is what I want you to hear. God has set you up for a God did it story. Your name was designed to have a God did it next to it because God didn't save you just so that you could have a life of peace. God has saved you so that you would advance the mission of God for the glory of God in this city. God wants to use you. And he wants your life of faith not just to be for you, but for others, for your neighbors, for your friends, for your coworkers. That's what he's made you for. That's what he's designed you for. And so the hall of faith, it says by faith, in Hebrews 13, it says by faith, Noah, after he was warned about what was not yet seen and motivated by godly fear, built an ark to deliver his family. Do you see that right there where it says, after he was warned about what was not yet seen. Do you know what that essentially means? It means Noah was told about a flood, but he had never seen rain. So you're, you're telling me that you want me to build, you want me to prepare for something that I have no knowledge of. No, I've, I've never been around it. I've never had the skills. I don't have the experiences. I've never seen it. I, I, so, so you want to set me up to do something I've never seen? And part of what it's saying is when you live and you operate by faith, what you've seen in the temporal world and the experiences you have does not define what God wants you to do. Your, your skill set is not defining of his sovereignty. God has set you up where he would get the credit, not you. While he's sitting there building the ark, people are like, what are you doing? He's like, just chill. Just some of his promises of God, you know, and he's doing his thing, right? Because he's doing something that he's not seen. And some of you, you, you only do what you think you're good at. You only do what your friends tell you what you should do. What you, you know, you only do stuff because you saw your family do it, your friends do it. But have you ever thought, what does God want me to do? 
Because God is not setting you up just to do what's natural, but the supernatural. And when God sets you up for the supernatural, at the end of the day, people should say, God did it. Look look what it says, by faith, Noah. And my prayer, I remember I went down south one time, man, and I was preaching at this church. And I was just, actually, I was teaching a Sunday school and I was teaching a Sunday school, and I was telling them how I planted the church, and I was giving them stories. I was like, oh, man, you know, I did this campus thing, and it was crazy, yeah, and I told them how we met a bunch of people, and I, I could tell you about people I met at coffee shops and all these miraculous things that God did. It was awesome. And I remember one guy raised his hand, and he was like, you got any more stories? I was like, yeah, I got a few more. He was like, yeah, tell us more God stories. I was like, okay. I was like, what? Because I thought they wanted me to teach the Bible. They wanted to hear more stories. And I remember, I, I remember I asked the guy after, I was like, why did you want me to switch? He was like, we don't have any God stories. You don't have any God stories? He's like, yeah, we just don't really have those moments where God showed up. I was like, I thought that was the faith. I'm, did I miss something? Like, he acted like I was one of the Avengers with, like, superpowers and he was in the sta- like he was in the movie with popcorn. Like, can you give us one more? Can we just run that back? Run that back. Let's see that whole thing again. Like, the same spirit that lives in me lives in you. And God, listen. By faith, James. But there should be a by faith, Josh. By faith, Rasul. By faith, Yvonne. By faith, God has set you up. I don't have a superpower. I have power from Jesus. There is nothing special about me. I tell people, I tell people all the time, I am, I am not a smart dude. I barely made, when I made it out of college, my parents were surprised. Hello? Like, I'm just telling you, like, there is nothing special in me, but there's someone in special in me. Through the power of the Holy Spirit, there's nothing I can't accomplish. And I believe that if God wants me to go a direction, that's what matters. Look what he says. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place. This is so encouraging. Obeyed and set out for a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out even though he didn't know where he was going. How many of y'all don't know what you're doing right now in your life? (laughs) Hallelujah. It's like, pastor, I need help. I don't know where I'm going. I'm like, me neither. Hey, man, I don't know. (laughs) You find out. Hit me up. We figure this thing out together. I don't know where I'm going. Shoot. I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But he called me. And so there can, listen, when you walk by faith, you may not know exactly where you're going. You got to make sure you know exactly who you're following. And Jesus will put you in a predicament where all you have is his still voice, his word, his people. Isn't that good? God has set you up to walk by faith. Lastly, it says, by faith. <laughs> by faith, even Sarah herself. Look, look, look what the author, we don't know who wrote this. Look what the author of Hebrew does. He says, by faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power to conceive offspring, even though she was past the age, since she considered that the one who had promised was faithful. Oh, that was so nice. Anybody ever read Genesis 18? (laughs) Like, when she found out she was going to have a baby, she wasn't like, Father, I trust you. 
You are so awesome, God. Thank you for bestowing on me the seed that will come from you. She laughed. She was like, I can't do that. Why? Because she was 90. She had good reason not to laugh. She had good reason to laugh. She was 90 years old. In addition, listen, she wasn't, and listen, it wasn't that she was 90. It was that she had been barren for 90 years. She's, when she was 40-some years old, she just stopped praying for kids. She just stopped because I'm barren. And then she got this clear sense that God wanted her to do something. And she was, you got the wrong person. I'm not built for what you're saying to do. And I want to encourage you tonight that God saved you to use you. And when you hear breakthrough, you naturally think of your individual issues. But God wants to not only deliver those individual issues out of you, but he wants to unleash you into ministry so that you would bless your neighborhoods, your friends, all the people around you because we should be pushing back the gates of hell, that we should want people to know more about God, that we want our name by faith. The reason why we want our name by faith and our name is because we want more names, more names. God's placed you around names, around people. Tonight, we wanna press in we want to press in. We want God to deliver, God to move. Father, we thank you for the way you move in our life, the way you walk. God, we trust you. God, we thank you that you, by the power of your Holy Spirit tonight, we, we are not defined by whatever chains we feel like have been in our life, but we trust that you will break the chains over our life. Not so that we can just be free to do whatever, but free, unleashed to be everything you've designed us to be. So God, we, we trust you, walk in you. We know that we are in the intensity of the battle. We wanna trust even more by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. I wonder if you stand with me. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you, and we hope to see you soon.